All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Thursday, November 10th of 2022. Got an NFL showdown, got a four-game NBA slate, and got a 10-game NHL slate on tap tonight. So if you are getting in on the DFS action tonight, good luck. If you are new here, welcome. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. Questions come in in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you are not a member of our Discord, there is a link in the description below to get joined up. Highly recommend it. A lot of awesome DFS conversations happening all the time. And if you are just tuning in, have questions live, get them in the YouTube chat. We will get to all of the questions in both YouTube and discord by the end of the stream i promise you guys that uh there are a couple of questions in the discord to get us going today i think they're gonna go pretty quickly so if you have more questions get them in now but with that being said we are gonna get rolling here and our first question is from k polo in the discord question says at some point, will we be able to add notes to lineup rules so when we browse through rules, we can quickly see what it's for? For example, if we make a lineup rule and go to group and manual and add two players and we set rule no more than one, it would be great to note team name in there so when scrolling through rules, we can quickly see what team rule applies to. Okay, so I'm going to get Saberson pulled up here really quickly. And we're going to talk about this. This is more like a feature request, and this is something that is on our radar. So, uh, you know, we released the lineup rules a couple of weeks ago, and it was kind of just like our initial release. I think one thing that has been heavily requested that we are aware of is the ability to to name these rather than just go in and edit the, the rule uh, fields to be able to say, like, what rule this is, add custom rule names. So that is something that is on our radar, something that we want to uh, fix in our, like, V2 of the lineup rules dashboard. But uh, feature requests noted there, K-Polo, going to make a quick note and just say uh, naming of rules. Feature requests, the more times that these come up, the easier it is for me to, to uh, push them push them along. So naming of rules, feature requests, got that one from K-Polo. So K-Polo, working on it. Hopefully we can get that out uh, sooner rather than later for you. Okay, got a next question here from TBK. And TBK is asking about an NBA process, and I know exactly where to point him. So TBK said, good morning by chance. Can you go over how I should approach an NBA build when I should fade or lower exposures to certain players okay so tbk we had three awesome videos come out at the beginning of the nba season and i am going to direct you to those so much more detail than i can go into here on stream so let me just get these opened up so the first one i did it myself this dfs q a walking through an nba process kind of walked through some aspects of my own process gave some pointers and tips along the way. This second video here, how to be daily fantasy basketball like an NBA DFS pro. Jordan had Max Steinberg on, and this was an hour and 44 minutes. The questions just kept coming in. 
if you were to watch any of these videos, I would recommend this one. It was just chock full of details and process. And Max is, you know, really an open book when it comes to these things. And he answered all the questions, showed things he does from start to finish. So this is like a really awesome video. If you do not know where to start or if you're looking for tips, on NBA DFS in general. Awesome video there. And and then we did a third video on an office hours like this, all things NBA ahead of tip-off of the 2022-23 season. So just as like a general reminder, if you guys are looking for specific content at any point, you can go to our YouTube channel, you can go to playlists, and we have how to beat NBA DFS in 2022, how to beat NHL DFS in 2022, like all of these things are sport specific or season specific. So you always feel free to come on the YouTube, check out some of the videos, the videos that I was talking about, uh, you know, the one with uh, Max is, is right here, but another awesome place to go is uh, catch up on the latest office hours. These are all of our past streams that we do here uh, live right now. And all of the videos are timestamped with, uh, descriptions of what is being talked about. So you can go into any of these, listen to the little nuggets and, and pieces of the video that you want, that you are looking for advice on. So that's my best advice there. And going to get Sabersim pulled back up here. And we are going to keep it rolling. So next question came in here. Another, it looks like another feature request. So I'm just going to get this one in the chat. We'll talk about it and uh, go from there. So from, Tavi Targaryen said, feature request, short-term ability to late swap just the subset of lineups that include or do not include a certain player, which possibly might not be that hard to do, just altering of logic of the only out player's late swap in theory would allow you to change slider settings based on knowledge of how lineups are doing. For easy example, in NFL, Turn down own fate and sim diversity in lineups where you have QB game stack that went off in the early window. Increase ownership fate and sim diversity in lineups where you have stack that didn't produce and you just trying to salvage min cash. Long-term ability to late swap just a subset of lineups based on multiple criteria. QB plus wide receiver plus running back combo. Four or five stack in baseball that includes certain batters includes player X and Y but does not include player Z etc. Okay. So, you know, we've been working on a lot of different features and I can tell you with certainty that a revamp of the late swap, uh, tool is on our roadmap. It's something that we've talked about. It's something that we want to do. We think that we have the best late swap tool in the industry and we want to, uh, make that gap larger. So we are, uh, passing around some ideas, working behind the scenes. It's something that we want to build sooner, sooner rather than later. But, uh, you know, feature request noted 100%. We're on board with you. I totally agree. Uh, having the ability to, you know, late swap based on certain criteria, based on like scores or different things like that would just be like an out of the park feature. So noted there, Tavi Targaryen. And we definitely want to build that in the near future on the roadmap sooner rather than later. So feature request noted, I'll pass it along to the team, uh, you know, late swap revamp. And then you just, just always good to let uh, people on the team know that, Hey, the community is asking for this and, you know, 
helps 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 us push the the envelope along. So noted there. I got a question here from Snowman, and Snowman said, "After a build, how do I add players that are grayed out that I want to add to my player list?" Okay, so if I were to come in here, just make a couple projection adjustments really quickly, and let's get a build up and running. So we're going to run a couple lineups here. That way we can demo this. But a uh, fairly easy answer. I see that GM33 already helped out in the Office Hours channel. Thank you, GM33. Appreciate you uh, stepping in and answering Snowman's question so quickly. And just so everybody knows, this is our last question. I didn't have anything else lined up for the show today. So if you have any questions, get them in now so we can keep the stream going. But, you know, getting back to Snowman's question, if there is a player that you are looking for and you are not seeing that you have any exposure to him, maybe it's, uh, you know, Brandon Ingram. All you, if, if they are grayed out, all you have to do is come in here and increase their min exposure. Maybe you want at least two lineups out of your 20 to have Brandon Ingram. All you do is you come in here, you put a 10, and then you hit apply. And now Brandon Ingram is in two of the lineups. And the only caveat, which GM33 pointed out, is that as long as the player, as long as there are lineups in your pool of 500 that have the player, this should work just fine. So if you ever do this, you're having an issue with it, and, you know, why isn't the player coming up? Well, maybe you don't have enough of them in your pool overall. Maybe that's cause to go back to the home screen. One, increase your pool size. Two, um, if that doesn't work, you can increase the player's projection. You know, you're just kind of saying like, hey, I think this player is going to do better than the average, which is uh, what is being shown. So, you know, maybe bump that by about 10% or so and see if that leads to you getting more of that player in your lineups right off the bat. So easy, easy one for you there, Snowman. Hope that helps. Let me know if you have any more questions. Shout out to GM33 hopping in and uh, showing showing uh, Snowman how to do that. But let's see. That being said, okay, looks like we're getting a couple more questions here from John. John, thank you, my man, keeping the questions coming in. So going to get this one in the chat. Looks like another feature request. So John said, where is this one? I would like to be able to add a new custom column or at least one that is exposure minus pool exposure to be able to sort by this. Okay. So pretty, pretty interesting uh, feature. I like that one. So let me just, you know, make a note. So uh, pool exposure minus lineup exposure. Cause that's, that's really what it would be a lineup exposure. I think you can do this for the time being, like kind of, kind of manually. Um, actually, actually, I don't think you could do it. So I take that back. But um, because so so just so just so everybody knows, if you go to upload, and then you can always add a custom column here, and then you can put in like whatever call whatever data you want, and. Um, I'm pretty sure you can uh, you can come in here and and rename it to to whatever you want. So you know if if you had the ability to go like pool exposure, like minus lineup exposure, 
and then you would have like data here. The question is, you know, getting it out of your uh, pool and uh, into into a, a file that you can download and and uh, manipulate. So, you know, I've 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 had requests in the past about like, hey, can we make you know it post build this left side of the screen all of the data here that shows the exposures that shows the pool exposures. Can we make this downloadable and be able to upload, you know, min and max exposures in this field? So I've, I've heard that one before. So, and I've, I've logged it accordingly. So John, I will put your request as a second request as part of uh, that previous one that I am mentioning. I think those two things kind of go hand in hand together. And I think that, uh, that that would work, and I could definitely see the use case for it overall. So, all right, got a follow up from Snowman, and we're just gonna kind of demo this. So, Snowman said, "Hey, you know, I I tried increasing the min exposures to the guys I wanted, and I basically got an error message. So, we're just gonna use this guy, Jalen Johnson, as an example. So, pool, we have none of him, and you know, maybe I want two lineups with him." So as soon as I do this, I hit apply. Okay, unable to meet exposures. Keep editing. So so what I would do in this case is that I would I would note the guys that are causing issues. Like at what point did this have to happen? Maybe it was Jalen Johnson, and we're just going to use him as an example in this case. Actually, you know what? We're going to use um, we're going to use somebody like Clint Capella. So maybe I want a hundred percent Clint Capella lineups, and then I hit apply. And it doesn't work. So, you know, got the error message down here. Okay, so first thing I would do is I would come in here and I would build more lineups. If you you could, if you were on the, the – if you had an active subscription before the pro plan came out, you should still be able to build up to 1,500 lineups. If you are on the pro plan – you can build up to 5,000 lineups. So just for the sake of the example, you know, I am on the pro plan. So I'm just going to build uh, 1,500 lineups. So I think that's the first thing you can do. Increase the pool size. If you have three times as big a pool, you're more likely to get more lineups with such player. That way you can meet those exposures. If you do this and you can still not get to the player you want, what I would do is – you know, we're saying that Clint Capella's mean outcome across all of our sims is 26.91 points. What you are saying is that you value Clint Capella higher than his average. So what I would do is I would come in here and I would make an exposure, a point projection adjustment. He's at about 27 points. I'm going to bump him up to about 29. And, you know, it's not like, uh, a wrong or right adjustment. There are a lot of adjustments you can make depending on how high you value the player. I don't want to adjust him too much. I just want to adjust him a little bit and see if I can get two more of this player in my lineup. So I'm just going to run a second build here, run another 500 just for the sake of the stream. And uh, so the lineups can build quicker, but we're going to see how much Clint Capella we are now getting since we previously only had about 3% of him in our pool of 500. So I'm interested to see what this small adjustment does to him specifically. So we're going to go down here. Okay. Right off the bat, we're getting 10% of him and he is now in 20% of our pool of 500. So that small 
point projection adjustment really increased his uh, exposure in the pool. Part of that is because this is only a four-game slate and point projection adjustments are going to be like a big factor and sway the exposures significantly. So I think that it's important to remember what kind of slate you're playing, whether you're playing like a two game or you're playing like a medium sized slate, you know, maybe like somewhere from like four to eight games, or you're playing like a 10 game plus slate, those projection adjustments that you're going to have to make to get more or less exposure to players is going to be uh, greater or smaller depending on the slate. So uh, what I would do is I would, I would mess around, you know, make some adjustments, see how that changes the exposure across your pool from a default with no adjustment and then kind of find a number that you're comfortable with that leads to him being in the pool or able to get to as much of such player as you, as you want. So that that's what I recommend to snowman. Uh, This should definitely solve the problem. I think that, you know, just to be clear, increasing pool size before making projection adjustments is a much better option because you are not affecting any player output from the sim you are just saying give me more lineups so therefore that you can go and get more exposures to the players you want hopefully if you come in and start adjusting projections what you are saying is that hey every single sim where clint capella uh every single sim we are going to increase the points that clint capella scored by two points shifting his entire range of outcomes higher that has a much bigger effect on the sim outputs and is why we recommend doing that step last and being very careful with the amount you increase the projections by. So just some notes there, some kind of cautionary tales as well, but you know, ultimately those are the ways to get to more of the lineups that you want. So we're going to keep rolling here. I see a follow-up from John about our previous example. And I'm just going to read this really quickly. John said, I guess really it's just a different type of leverage column in a way when applying min uniques. Do you think it's better to prioritize the exposure that it gives you or the pool exposure? For instance, last night, min uniques gave me just around the field, 20% Jay Carter, but his pool exposure was actually closer to 40%. And for Portis, it was actually the opposite of this scenario. Okay, so... Good question, John. You know, we kind of talked about this yesterday. If if anybody missed it, we did a stream yesterday with Andy, Matt, Jordan, and myself all came on, talked about pro plan, talked about min uniques. We did a great segment on min uniques at the beginning of that video. And what I will say is that I can't, like, it, it depends. So, and the reason it depends is it depends what matters to you. Does diversity, there's going to be a point where you have to decide whether you want, you value diversity more or whether you value exposures to certain players that you deem good plays. And that is the line that you kind of have to walk. And what I would suggest in general is to come in here and kind of like play with different min unique settings. So it's like, okay, I have one min unique, you know, I don't have anyone more than 30%. And then if we increase this to, we'll just say three. 
Okay. I must have been sorting by something wrong. So so at three min uniques, I'm getting 95 Joel and B. What am I getting at one? Okay, yeah, we were just we were just sorted incorrectly. So at at one min unique, you know, I have 100% Joel Embiid, a couple guys in the 70 to 80 range. As I increase this, we're just going to jump a little bit to three, still have some pretty high guys here. And, you know, at this point, I think this is a good point. The difference between three min uniques and four min uniques, I just lost about 30% exposure to Joel Embiid. I lost, you know, 10 to 20% of these other guys. This is the point where you have to ask yourself, do I care more about being more exposed to some of the guys that are really good plays or do I care more about diversity and spreading out my lineups and, you know, having like less correlation between the lineups. And, and that's a question you have to answer for yourself. So, you know, if you value diversity and you're good with, and you're like, okay, with these exposures still, I think four would probably be the right setting for you in that situation. If you want more exposure to some of the best plays on a small slate and you're okay assuming that little that extra risk, then three min uniques is like the right answer for you. So I think that, you know, watching how your exposures adjust, and it's something we talked about too, like the way min uniques organically adjust your exposures. I, I would watch what is happening when you are changing your min uniques and then figure out at what setting you are most comfortable with the exposures that you're seeing. And if if you're okay with like most of this, but this is just too much Embiid for you, then, you know, you can always adjust an individual player as well. But I I think that, you know, seeing like how this moves, like maybe, maybe you like how the rest of these guys look, but you want to maintain the Embiid, like you can do that. You can come in here, you can set them to 80, and then you know that you still have four men unique. So I think like it's not a hard one or the other, I think that there is a happy medium that you can find, but it's very specific to your process. It's very spe specific to uh, your risk tolerance as well. So you don't have to use just one or the other. That's not the impression I want to give. You can use a mix of the two and try and come up with a lineup portfolio that you are comfortable with. So those are my thoughts there. Let me know if you have any follow-up. Um, let's see a couple more comments here. I'm just going to stay on this one topic with some follow-ups from John and then we will move on. John said, listening to yesterday's stream made me want to trust menu uniques more as if maybe I'm making exposure changes without a good reason. Sometimes other than, other than to get closer to pull exposures. And then another follow-up here, John said, so in a sense, Min Uniques helps manage risk diversification and pool exposure is a good leverage indicator. Might be how I start thinking about the two options. Yeah, I think that's like a totally great way to kind of think about both options. You know, every time this Min Unique goes up, you are decreasing the interlineup correlation, which means that if one lineup does poorly, that does not mean that all of your lineups are headed that direction you know, the lineups are more spread out and you have more opportunities to kind of smooth out your variance and hopefully one of your lineups get to the top of the standings in a contest. So really good thoughts there. And, you know, like John said, you know, he caught yesterday's stream, was a really good conversation. If anyone else missed it, highly recommend going and listening to the discussion we had. A lot of good topics there. So going to keep moving here. And I see a question 
from Don't Be Soy. And this says, uh, Andrew, can you give me a refresher on how to use geometric mean for Thursday night football tonight? Okay, so if you are looking for a geo mean refresher, I would go and watch this video that Jordan and I did together. It is much better and in much more detail that I can go into right now on my own. What I would say is if you go to the Office Hours channel or Office Hours playlist on YouTube, we have this awesome video here, DFS Q&A, Product Ownership and Geometric Mean. Jordan came on with me. We did a 30-minute segment right at the beginning of the show. We had formulas on the screen. We did demos. Like We really dove deep into you know some ownership versus product ownership, how geometric mean fits into all of it, did examples live on stream. So I would go and check this out. You can click the timestamp at the beginning of the show to just jump to the bit that you need. But this is an awesome, awesome video for anyone trying to get a better understanding of how to apply GeoMean to showdowns, how it applies to how, how it matches up with some ownership, etc. So just awesome video there. If you are looking for a refresher, that is exactly where I would go. So I'm going to get Sabersim pulled it back up here and we are going to keep rolling I see a question here from Nipsey, and Nipsey said, let me just get this in the chat. Nipsey said, how does locking in a player pre-build affect the Sims? Okay, so so Nipsey, what basically happens is that, you know, if you come in to the home screen for, you know, tonight's game, whatever, and you're just saying, you know what, I just want to, like, lock button Luca, and you can do that one of two ways. You can hit this lock, or you could come in here and set his min exposure to 100. And then that'll like tell the builder like, Hey, you know, always make sure that this player gets in the lineups. So what it does is that we, you know, randomly sample the Sims. We build your lineups. We will only allow lineups with that player to go into your build, like build screen post build. So, you know, all of the lineups that don't have that player, Basically, what you're doing is you're you're making a criteria for the builder that, hey, you know, in order for it to go to the post build, it has to have Luca. So that's that's basically what it is. So in in a way, we are just kind of ignoring the lineups that don't have him, and the builds that are getting to the post build screen are builds where Luca was in the optimal for like those set of sims or or whatever it may be. So so that's what's happening. You're not really affecting the sim outputs that much you're just kind of telling the builder like hey i just want to make sure that this player is in my lineups and then the builder will find the lineups and the like sim in in the sims that kind of meet that extra criteria for you so that's what's happening there all right gonna get saber sim pulled back up here and gonna keep moving i see a comment here from texas illini and i see questions coming in in youtube chat guys we are going to get to all of the YouTube questions after we get to the Discord, uh, getting near the end of the Discord questions. So we will be hopping over pretty soon. Text line I said, just FYI, you can calculate pool exposures by downloading the entire pool. And in Excel, you can use the count if function by player to calculate the exposure by player. And then um, for, for don't be soy, there was a follow-up from John in the Discord 
and John uh, took it upon himself to give you a quick demo of what GeoMean is. So I'm going to post that in the chat for anybody who is looking for it. And, uh, you know, appreciate Texas and Illini jumping in, trying to help out. Appreciate John jumping in, trying to help out. Really, really like uh, to see that stuff. You guys are awesome. You guys make the community a better place every time you guys are always willing to help other people out. So that being said, we are going to jump over to YouTube chat. And the first question I saw came in from Jason Dial. Jason said, can we go into detail on a player's value? Why is it high or low? Also, what causes it to change? When is it best to put a player in your lineup with a low value? Okay, Jason, really good question. So let's talk about it. So, you know, I think tonight is an awesome example. So we have this value column. So if you hover over it, you'll see a little pop-up. And what it says is that value is simply my projection divided by salary. I think it's like times a thousand or something like that. So what what this is saying is like it's kind of creating like a point per dollar uh, metric in relation to the salary for the player. And um, basically like higher value means that this player scores more points per dollar and a lower value means that they score less points per dollar. It is not like an end all be all thing, mostly because raw points still matter. And you're going to like, if you were to sort by projection, you're going to see guys like Luca, like their value is going to be much lower in like this 4.6 range. And our highest value guys are close to like 5.5. So yeah, Luca's value is lower, but that's just because it's so hard for like, uh, okay, like at, at three, 3,400 salary, this guy needs to get 18.6 points to, to meet this value. Like Luca's never, like Luca's hardly ever gonna, I mean, sometimes he will, but like 5.6, uh, whatever, whatever this number is would be, you know, in like, closer to like the 75 ish point range. And like, yeah, that'll happen, but that's not going to be his mean outcome. So value is like really, I, I mean, I personally like to look at value um, and kind of see like who is coming up here. I think like bam right here, like at the second highest value player on the slate with a high raw point projection in the 40s is like pretty interesting i'm 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 kind of surprised to see that what you'll often see is players who have a low salary and somewhere in like the high teens to early 20 point range and you know oftentimes i think yesterday is is a great example you know if we were to go back to yesterday's slate and you know the bucks were like the big value team Jonas rolled out drew holiday rolled out you can come over here and you can see the expected uh, value of the players on, on this team. And, you know, they're like, you have one, two, three, four, five players in the six, six point value range. Like what, what I, what I would recommend is, you know, you see like really high values. I think Drew Eubanks was like another really high one. He was like uh, way up there. So, 6.97 so pretty pretty high pushing the sevens uh we had campaign at 7.98 so so what i would do is like okay you sort by value and then i think you kind of try and figure out like 
Like, why is this person value? Like, understand the slate context a little bit. If you were to go and do some research, you would see, oh, Chris Paul's out. Oh, campaign is starting. Oh, okay, makes sense. And then for this one, Drew Eubanks is value. Oh, Nurkic is out. Oh, okay, makes sense. Then you see all these Buck guys. Oh, Jonas and Drew Holiday are out. Oh, okay, makes sense. And, like, I think if you can kind of, like, piece the slate context together and kind of understand why guys are value, I think that that helps in some ways. I think that, you know, tonight I I didn't see a lot of big injuries or injury news pending. We're probably not going to see anybody in like the six, seven value range. And like, that's okay. But, you know, as far as like value goes, that's what I would kind of do to like evaluate it, see where it's coming from. And I would also like match that up to ownership. Like, okay, this guy's like, you know, the value play on the slate, he's going to be 43% owned. You know, do do I think like the slate context and the reasons why this guy's value makes sense? Like I, I don't know. And and those are things that you know running test builds is good at doing. Um, looking at injury news and seeing like, you know, is this guy, you know, a value off the bench? Is he randomly starting? You can use websites like Popcorn Machine to see, you know, if this guy's been playing, how much he's been playing. You can see his minutes, you can see is he the first guy off the bench? Is he playing a lot like late is he only playing in blowouts so you can you can kind of use like game flow and popcorn machine and things like that to do advanced research outside of saber sim to try and come to some conclusions on these players not saying that running a test build and kind of seeing what saber sim thinks in you know in a set of 150 lineups in a, in your entire pool those are also good options but those are just extra options as well so those are my thoughts on like value Hope I did a good job answering your question. If you have any follow-up, just let me know. But we're going to keep moving here. Got a question from Tim Hughes. Tim said, when using Saberson Pro, could you highlight some of the features of my metric? Okay, so if you are using Saberson Pro and you go into the post build, so there is this awesome new feature where you can add a metric. What this is, is your own it, you you have the ability to create your own way of grading lineups. We didn't touch on it too much yesterday. I can give you guys some of the basics. I think that at some point in the future, I'm going to have uh, Matt back on, and Matt can talk about this in in more detail. But but for now, I kind of want to just go over the basics and kind of show you guys, you know, what what this uh, means and and some some like pretty, pretty simple ways of how to use it. So what, what I will say is that you kind of have to understand the first thing you have to understand is the difference between rank and value. So we're going to do like a basic one. So we have, we have my projection, like projected score, sorting projected score. I'm going to recreate this as a custom metric, as a very simple version of how to show you guys how it works. Okay, so we're going to recreate projected score in a custom metric is is the plan of this. So so my metric, we're just going to say you can rename them as you want. We're going to say my projected score. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in here. I'm going to click projected score. And then I want to use the sum. And then this is the key part. Rank value. What the difference is, is value will give you the actual score value. Like, like this number, like this 246.3, what rank will do 
is it will give you a number from one to 500 and it's 500 based on how many lineups you have in the pool. If you have 5,000, it's going to be one to 5,000. So it's going to kind of standardize it based on the number of lineups in the pool. If you use rank. So I'm going to do my projected score. Some, I like to use rank. It's, it, it makes a little more sense to me and I'll kind of explain why. Okay. Descending versus ascending. This is also another important thing to understand. So when you use descending, the highest integer value is going to be one. So what, what that means is that like my highest projected score is going to be one in that scenario. And therefore my lowest projected score is going to be 500. So that, that makes sense to me. I want the highest projected score to be my number one rank. And I want the lowest projected score to be my 500. So that's that's if you use my projection, some rank descending. If you use ascending, then the highest projected score is going to be 500. So, you know, if you're like, hey, you know, highest projected score is a big number. I want to have a big number at the end. Then you would use ascending where the highest projected score would be uh 500 and then the lowest would be a one. Okay. So, so that's like step one. And then, so let's say I use my projected and some rank descending. I'm going to save it. And then I'm going to come in here and then I'm going to go to, uh, my metric, which is the one we just created. So let's open this up. My projection, some rank descending. Okay, perfect. We are now sorting by it. What you'll notice is that we are sorting, it says sorting lineups by my metric, high to low. If you are sorting, if if you have uh if you have a custom metric and you are sorting by rank descending and you want a high number, it is better to use low to high. So what that means is that right now we are sorting high to low. That's why the arrow is pointing down. If you come in here and click on this again, it will now sort my metric low to high. So for me, you know, what 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 I'm saying is like, okay, first off, I'm I'm sorting I'm my metric is rank descending where the highest number is going to get a value of 1 and which we are seeing my metric 1. So this is the highest projected score in my pool. If I sort by high to low, it's going to sort basically backwards and give me the lowest projected score. So I want to sort low to high in this way where I get the highest projected score at the top to go along with my metric. It gets really like nuanced and it depends how you want to view the data. But, you know, if if I were to do this, you know, like I couldn't just come in here and say, Oh, okay. I want to sort by like ownership now. And if I were to do like my ownership, sum rank descending now the lineup with the highest sum ownership would be at the top. And like, maybe now I don't want that. Maybe now I want the lowest ownership to have a number one. So then I would switch it to ascending. And then if I'm using uh rank ascending and I want a low number, then I would change this to make sure that this is, indeed uh low to high so so i think like 
the the most basic information. I, I'm sorry if I'm confusing anybody, but it does get like a little weird with these custom metrics because it's all about how you want to see the data. So so what I'll say is if you're using a rank descending metric and you want a high like integer number, you should use low to high lineup sorting. If you're using rank descending and you want a low number, better it's better to use high to low lineup sorting. It, conversely, for rank ascending, if you're using rank ascending and you want a high number, it's better to use high to low lineup sorting. And if you're using rank ascending and you want a low number, it is better to use low to high lineup sorting. So the, the reason, like, I, I kind of figured this out is because, you know, like I kind of mentioned on Tuesday, there was no NBA. I took the time to come in here and to try different things and try just the most basic metrics and figure out what the rank does versus the value, what the ascending versus the descending does, what the low to high versus high to low does. It is really something that I think you have to practice and get hands-on experience with in order to be able to understand what it does. And if anybody's watching me look to my left, it's because I practiced and I wrote notes down to explain what these things do. So I would get in there. I would, you know, if you're interested in learning about it, I would try and uh, duplicate some of these most basic lineup sorting methods and see if you can recreate them. And if the numbers that you're getting out make sense to you and they match up, the good thing is that, we have some ownership and projected score here. So you can like double check your own work and see if what is supposed to happen is actually happening. So that's what I would recommend is that if you're interested in learning how to use it, try and recreate some of the basic ones that are here to try to get your feet wet and try to get a handle on how these tools work. But that is uh, a kind of an intro and uh, we will keep it moving from there. So sorry if I confused anybody. I'm sure uh, it, was, it was a little hard to follow. Okay, Luke said, could you give an example of how the new features can help a single entry lineup builder? Okay, so what I will say is that if you are somebody who is playing a single lineup a night, I don't think these are the tools for you, you know? If you are playing one lineup a night and you already have the ability to build 500 lineups, to build 1,500 lineups, I I, I don't think you need 5,000 for one lineup. I think it's overkill. What these features do, like Min Unique players, Min Unique is great when you have like a portfolio of lineups, when you have 20, when you have 150, when you have more than that. Like that, that's what this does. So if you're playing one, one lineup a night, Mini Uniques doesn't matter because there's no two lineups to compare. And I think that 5,000 lineups is probably a little overkill. I think that we have great lineup sorting metrics already. I think Saber score is, is by default, and that's for good reason. We put a lot of work into Saber score. And, you know, you heard Matt talking about it yesterday. Like, this is going to remain the default because we think this is the best. We have this percentiles now. Another awesome feature if you're interested in just, like, upside alone so so i think that these two alone are already great features if you are doing something in outside of saber sim to grade your lineups to decide what to put into your contest 
that's kind of what this my metric is for, for people who are already doing this outside of SaberSim to come into the app and be able to do it within the software. Um, you know, if, if I'll say like one, one thing that a lot of people like to do that we've gotten a lot of things and support about is aggregating projections. So what you can do is you can upload projections. You, you come in here, you upload them, you save the name or DFS ID, you click the projection, you hit save. Then you come over and you, you click this save projections. When you do this, you can name the source, whatever source it may be. And then you can come in here and you can do an average of the two. You can choose custom weights. You, if you want to weight SaberSim, like three quarters weight on SaberSim and one quarter weight on the other source that you're bringing in, like you can do that. The aggregation is awesome. But, you know, other, other than if that's something you're already doing, like outside, you know, I think the aggregation is awesome. I don't think you need 5,000 lineups to build one lineup. And I don't think you need custom sorting metrics unless you're already doing that in like on your own outside of SaberSim. So those are my thoughts there on single entry lineup builder and how that interacts with the pro plan. All right. Jason said, can you explain stack types? Definitely can. Jason, can you tell me what sport you want to talk about stack types for? So, you know, do you want to talk about NBA? Do you want to talk about NFL? It sounds like you're here. I'm going to circle back to your question. And uh, if you could just let me know what sport you want to talk about stack types for, that would be awesome. All right. Uh, Clay said, how do you aggregate projections? Oh, I, I, I just demoed it and uh, hope you caught it. So, you know, whether you want to come in here and upload a CSV or just upload the individual columns, you hit save. What happens is those projections that you upload go into this my projection column. Once they're in here, then you come in, you hit save, you name, you, you have the ability to name like we just talked about, and then you can come in here and do an average. You'll get like the other source, then you'll get an average option. So that is how you aggregate projections. Okay, Jason got back to me and said he wants to talk about stack types for NBA. So all this is saying is how many players from a team are in your lineup. So I think a better way to do it is to explain it from the GPP uh, build. So so this this lineup is a stack 2-2-2. Two, two, two. What this means is that it has two different players from three different teams. So I have two Dallas. Looks like I have two Pelicans. And then I have two Hornets. So, you know, you'll be able to see, like, on a lineup by lineup basis, what kind of stacks you're getting. And then you'll also be able to see what stacks – are in your pool in kind of a more summary format. So in our 20 lineups, we have seven lineups that have at least two players from two different teams. And then, you know, we can, we can kind of see what the entire pool of 500 looks like. And then we can even, you know, if we want some three, two twos or something, you can come in here and you can add exposure and then hit the supply. And then you will get a lineup with a three, three, two, two stack. So, you know, these are like team agnostic. It's just the amount of players from the same team. If you're interested in specific teams and how many times they are used, you can come in here and you can click through the team stacks and see what teams are showing up as three stacks, what teams are showing up as two stacks. To take it a step further, 
We also have this option where you can determine if you want certain teams stacked together. If you come into team stacks on the home tab, you hit this drop down, you can limit how many players from Dallas and Charlotte are together, Dallas and Miami. And you can do that for, for every team. If you are very opinionated, want to avoid certain team combinations, you could do that here. Or you can come in and manage your stack types. You'll notice that in the build that we just showed, not all of the stack types were used. And that is a result of us using simulations to build your lineups. Not all of these stack types will be used. These are all of the allowable stack types. I don't think you have to come in here and constantly filter them. I think that if you're having, uh, if you're con consistently seeing a stack type that you don't want in the post build screen, I think that's a reason to go to the home screen and, you know, uncheck some of these. But we saw like we didn't have a single stack over four, I believe. You know, we had a four, two, and a four. And that was only uh, 14 lineups of our 500. None of them were in the top 20. So, you know, you can always like, limit the different stack types that you allow the builder to use if you see fit. And we, we offer a bunch of different ways to kind of do that and to get really specific with it. So going to keep moving here. I see a question. I believe we were on this one from Jason. Jason said, what is the best way to get someone with a low value in your lineups? For example, someone around four to 4.5. Okay. So if there is a specific player that you are not seeing in your lineups and you know, we're just gonna, we're going to sort by value and we're going to go with like the highest guys. So Josh Hart, 4.73 value. We have none of him in our 20 lineups that we're looking at. Looks like we have about 34 lineups in the pool that have him. So all you have to do is in the post build screen, go to min exposure column and increase this min exposure. Maybe I want three lineups with him. So I just tell the builder that in the post build screen, it goes and finds three lineups with him and then puts those into my top 20 now. So I would always try and handle this in the post build screen if possible, but that is how you go and get players and you can like, you know, sort by value and then go and find the value plays that you want. Or, you know, if you know their name, just, just give them a search, you know, maybe we're not comfortable with 0% Luca. So then, you know, maybe I'm going to match his pool exposure and I'm going to hit apply. And then now I have, you know, this much or more exposure to Luca. So that's how I would always handle that in the post build as much as you can. Okay. Got a question here from Jimmy VB. How would you approach the profit plan? If you play DFS and sports bet, would you set a bankroll for each separately and follow similar mm -hmm. principles or combine? Okay. Good question. Jimmy v VB. Um, personally, how I handle it, uh, and, and, you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if there's a wrong or right answer. Um, I, I kind of handle it all together in a way, like, um, uh, my, my DFS bankroll, I just kind of took like a portion of that and set it aside for sports betting. Um, I do treat the two kind of, uh, differently in a way where it's like, I'm still playing 2.5 to 5% of like my DFS bankroll. And then I'm treating units from that other money that like I kind of set aside. So like, even though it came from the same place, I do treat them differently. I, I would say it's important to know what your sports betting bankroll is. That way you can determine the amount of units or percent of your bankroll 
that you want to wager on different uh, bets like night to night. And then, you know, similarly, like for DFS, like how much of your bankroll is allocated to your DFS playing. And I, and like, um, you know, kind of, kind of go from there. So I think that it's important to know what those two bankrolls are so you can determine how much to wager on a night to night basis. So those are my thoughts there. All right. Question from John. When using aggregate projections after uploading projection updates before each game block for like NBA, do I have to re-aggregate every time or will it auto update the aggregate one when I change one of my projection sources? Okay. So what it, so, you know, let's say like 30 minutes before lock, you put in one other source to aggregate with Saberson. If that source updates, you have to go and get the new projections and bring them back into the app. What should happen is, and and I haven't I haven't done this, but it should happen, is that when you bring it in the second time, if you go to save projections and then you do like you know you bring in ETR and you hit save, it should override the current column projections in here. And then that should, if you have it set to average, you know, SaberSim and ETR, then it should continue to do that and just update the values. So I would just check to make sure that's working. Um, another option is that like you timestamp it. So what you can do is just come in, you know, save like you could do like ETR and then ETR one or ETR two as like the time changes and then just like uncheck the original ETR and then only leave like the Saber Sam and like the new ETR averaging. So those are your options there. That's like how I would kind of think about it is, um, you know, you should be able to override it. If not, you could just come in and just kind of either like number them or timestamp them. And then as you add a source, you can just easily delete another source. So like if I wanted to just come in here and say projections and then just say SS1, uh, hit save. And then I have SS1 here. So now it's, if I hit average, it's just going to average these two together. And then if I were to come in and save a new set of projections and I'm going to save it as SS1, it should just, oh no, it actually created a second one. Okay. So, so that's good to know. So if you come in and rename something twice, it will not overwrite it. It will just create a new one. The easiest thing to do is to just delete the first option. And then now it will average the only two remaining ones left. The way to check is go to this weighted average and you can see what it is taking into account in the formula. I'm going to bring that up to the team about the overriding of column names. So let me just make a note here. So override column names for um, importing projections so just i think i think that's something that would like probably be a little better of a workflow but but for now i would just continue to upload save name it you know name it like uh continually and then come in here delete the last one and then it will leave the two that are live for you to average so that's how i would do that all right matthew had a question said might be a dumb question but can't seem to get my finger on it how can I tell the builder I want three players from the same game NBA without forcing 
how that three is divvied up amongst the teams. Okay, good question. So what I would do is I would go to the lineup rules and then I would go to, I would create a group rule and I would create an automatic rule. And then I would say, use at least three. And then I would group by, go to game, and then save this as a manual rule. The reason I'm suggesting to save it as a manual rule is because you, let's say you only wanted the Portland Pelican game was the one you want. Since these are manual rules, what you can do is you can come in here and only leave the game you want checked. And then if you open this up, it's going to grab all the players from this game that are like in your player pool and then say, use at least three. So, you know, you could either like leave these ones unchecked or if you want to be even safer, you could come in here and delete them. And then now it will only have the rule for the one game that you chose. And then just know your player pool is based on the available players that like, So like if you were to like set filters or something like that, these players would then, uh, get like, um, get removed. But, but, um, so, so how do I say it? So like, let's say we set the rule, right. And then we have a projection of 13. Well, let's say we decide to make our min projection 18. So there's probably going to be players in our rule that are not going to be allowed into our lineups anymore, but because it's a manual rule, what you have to do is come in here and hit this refresh icon and then now, previously, it was um, it was 20. So then now let's see how many players there are. Okay, so now there's still 20. So all 20 of those players are meeting our uh, meeting our threshold. So so just know like you're safe there. And but basically that's how I would set up the rule, and um, I would go from there. So let me know if you have any more questions about setting any type of rules like that. All right, Patrick said. I need to reevaluate my NBA DFS process, upload projections and ownership 10 minutes prior to lock, run the build, enter contest, late swap with new projections, and when injuries or lineups change, what am I doing wrong? Uh, any tips for players who work before or during lock in terms of NBA DFS process? I'm very unopinionated after the build and plug those lineups into my contest. Okay, good question, Patrick. What I will say is that, you know, I believe the NBA season started on October um, 18th. So we are less than a month into a season that is going to go all the way until April. I would be, you know, cautious about saying like, hey, you know, let's knock the house down and let's, let's, you know, build the house back up from scratch. Some of that could be variants. What I will say is that um, if you did not have the time to be around and kind of like pay attention or like do any type of like research prior to the slate, I would be a little hesitant about playing the main slate. And what I would recommend is maybe playing some of like the night slates or the turbos, um, some of those slates where you might be more available or maybe like some showdowns later in the night you know, maybe like transition to like a showdown type of style. So I would say that not being able to like kind of do any like slate research or run some test builds and like doing those type of things is uh, pretty hard to like be a winning player and 
and not be around during locks. So I would kind of reevaluate like the type of slates you're playing because those can lead to like more minus EV builds. If you have more time, you can, you know, put a little more into your process and hopefully get some more positive EV lineups. So that is one of my thoughts there for you. But, you know, I would say continue to exercise bankroll management, continue to exercise uh, patience. You know, variance is a big part of the game. And I'm going to point you to where I pointed somebody earlier who asked about NBA. Not sure if you have seen these or not, but, you know, we had these awesome videos at the beginning of the NBA season a couple weeks ago, like we were just talking about. And as soon as I find them, I will show them to you. Okay, this is one where I walked through my uh, DFS NBA process. This one, we had Max Steinberg on, talked for a long time about his NBA process. Max is a high-stakes pro, and he was really an open book, talked about a lot of things. And we did another awesome video talking uh, NBA strategy overall. I would check out these three videos. I think these are three awesome videos if you are looking for more tips and looking to reevaluate your NBA process in some way. I would be careful, you know, not making too many adjustments and, um, you know, so, so check these out and, you know, always, I'm always here. So come back and ask more questions if you have them in the future. Okay. Going to get Saberson pulled back up here. We're going to keep rolling. Uh, John said, uh, yeah, it would be easiest if it would just override the column in the future. John, I totally agree, which is why I'm going to take that one back to the team. Uh, Matthew said, uh, I kept going between player and team, didn't even realize it said game. Thank you. Yep, happy happy to make that distinction for you. That is what this show is for. And that is the end of our YouTube questions. I see one more question in Discord. We're going to hit this one from Chuck DePure, and then I got to run. Got another meeting I have to be at. So I'm going to hit this question, and then we will call it a day. Uh, Chuck DePierre said, should I remove the min projection filter or increase sim diversity if I'm not able to get to 5K lineups? In NHL, the builder is barely getting past 3K lineups. Okay, so what I would say is that, you know, it could be a combination of filters plus any stacking rules um, that, that you have set. So I would be like uh, a little aware of those things. I, you know, I mean, I, th I think at the end of the day, you're probably not putting in, you know, thousands of unique entries. So, you know, the question to me is like, is it worth allowing lower projected players into my lineup for the sake of having more lineups. And I think that's a pretty interesting question. And my gut reaction to that is no, just take the 3000 lineups that you're getting with the rules and filters that you want or the filters that you like think provide value and don't allow worse players into your lineup pool just to get more lineups because they're only going to make your lineups worse in a sense or less what you're looking for. I mean, I, I, it, I would be really surprised to see that you get, you're getting 3000 unique lineups down, like any, anywhere close to that. So, you know, if you're, if you're on the pro plan, you know, no one said you have to build 5,000, you have the ability to build up to 5,000. It's more than the 1500. I think 
I think 3,000, you know, is still double what you could before, especially like for this specific NHL example. Maybe try running it with um, the default filter. I don't know if you've increased the filter or not, but I'd say, you know, maybe run it at the default filter with no rules and see how many lineups you're getting. Or um, other option is to, you know, just be a little more comfortable with with some less lineups overall. So those are my thoughts there. I think it's like a pretty interesting question. Um, but I, I just, I don't love the idea of letting uh, plays that you X'd out before into your lineups now just to get more lineups. So those are my thoughts there. Um, okay. Chuck, Chuck had a comment uh, with, this is with no rules and defaults. Okay. So that, that's part. I was not sure about, um, I I'd say Chuck, like, you know, give it a shot, you know, maybe, maybe lower the point projection or like if you're in, if you're in NHL and, um, you know, you come over to NHL for today, got a big slate. Let's see what this filter is at, you know, projection greater than two. We're only removing 140. Well, I shouldn't say like only 140, but, um, like we for sure don't want players. I just want position. I just want projection. Okay. So I would say like, you know, come in here and maybe look at the players where the threshold is and then kind of determine like if you want those players. I, I will say that I do know. Okay. all So basically every single player with a projection hot that is essentially not zero is, is in the pool. I will say that I know that the NHL builder does take longer be just because of like all of like the correlation components, et cetera. Um, if you feel like you're having like a specific issue, Chuck, just shoot us a report of problem and we can look at what is going on. Um, the support team would be happy to look at it, but I would use the report of problem link. And if you think there's like a specific issue impacting um, your ability to build. So just, just so you know, just a quick thing there. And I see that, uh, my man, Jordan just posted an update for us in discord following up on Chuck the pure. I'm going to just touch on this really quickly here. So, uh, what Jordan said, just following along with the stream here, we have it set right now to time out the build and give you the lineups. We were able to make after five minutes after this update in discord, and then um, it's going to be hard to build 5K NHL lineups in under five minutes. Okay, so I think this is like pretty good to touch on. Um, we made an update to the builder yesterday to prioritize stability over speed, which is exactly what Jordan is talking about. I'm just going to read Jordan's support uh, post in the support channel. So everyone is aware if, if you didn't catch it. So Jordan said, add everyone. I just want to give everyone a heads up that we've made an update to the app. That will improve stability. Your builds will be slower than they have been, but most default builds should still complete within a few minutes. Our team is going to continue working on making builds as fast as possible, but we want to make sure that our number one priority is stability. We're committed to making continued improvements in this area over the next few months, and we'll keep everything, everyone in the loop along the way. So this probably has more to do with it, like Jordan is saying, and... Um, this this is uh, I see that Chuck DePierre is uh, happy to get this answer from Jordan. So appreciate you, Jordan, jumping in, helping us get through that. Um, 
Patrick had a question, you know, do, do you like to eat the chalk? Bobby Portis, for example, I'll say that, you know, I ended up with a lot of Bobby Portis yesterday. I think that the chalk was warranted there. Um, you know, and it kind of goes back to like kind of creating, um, seeing if the pieces fit together, seeing if the reasons why players are chalky makes sense. That's something that I do a lot. And, um, you know, sometimes there are times where like, Hey, you know, this guy's getting a lot of chalk. Um, nothing's really changed or, you know, he's still playing off the bench and sometimes you can, uh, kind of find ways to, to get off of the chalk. I think it's a case by case basis. I don't think there's a right. I don't think it's right to say, you know, always eat the chalk or always fade the chalk. It is really a, it depends. And that is kind of the, the game we play. So, you know, you got to kind of make those decisions for yourself. Um, I say the more you play, the more experience you get, the better you'll be able to kind of come up to some of these conclusions by yourself. Happy to provide insight and help along the way. All right. That being said, that was our last question. And we are going to end the stream there, everybody. So just so everybody knows, no stream tomorrow. I will be moving. So no stream from me. Last time Jordan came on, had some internet issues there. So we're just going to take the stream off. If you have questions, you can post them in the Office Hours channel. And Jordan and the team will be monitoring the channel to answer any questions. So we will be right back next Monday for our next Office Hours stream. I will be in the new location. Should be fun. So until then, take care and good luck in your contests.